We are Allie and Erica, certified integrative nutrition health coaches in gut and hormone health and the hosts of the podcast, Courageous Wellness. We are committed to destigmatizing conversations in the wellness space and celebrate the experiences and lessons of our guests in pursuit of physical, emotional, and spiritual wellness. Listen to Courageous Wellness wherever you get your podcasts with fresh episodes every Wednesday. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This episode of It Sure Is a Beautiful Day is brought to you by The House of Chanel. Chanel introduces a new generation of sustainably developed skincare infused with a high concentration of ingredients and derived from the uniquely revitalizing winter-blooming red camellia flower. Packaged with lightweight glass, organic ink, and other bio-based materials, Numéro 1 de Chanel forges an unprecedented path of skincare innovation. Numéro 1 de Chanel, beauty ahead of time. To learn more about the line, visit chanel.com. I'm Sinead Grimes-Beach. And I'm Annalyn McCord. After years spent playing best friends on screen on 90210. And fighting like hell behind the scenes. Ah, yes. How could I forget? (laughs) We made it out of our time in Young Hollywood on a show that shared names with the most iconic zip code in the world. Bonded for life, but not without a shit ton of baggage in tow. Now we are back together letting it all hang out on our new podcast, Unzipped. Tune in and unzip with us and our brilliant guests every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, everybody. It's Kat Sadler, and this is It Sure Is a Beautiful Day. I've spent decades in TV broadcasting and conducted hundreds, if not thousands, of interviews in the span of my career. And on this show, the conversations continue. My goal is that every episode feels entirely brand new, but also like coming home. Let's get into it. It is a big day. It is a it is a huge day for the show because sitting across from me is one of my idols, honestly. Uh-huh. Katie Couric, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kat. I'm super <gasps> excited to be here. I know we've been trying to schedule this for a while, but I'm in LA for a couple of months and I'm so happy that we can do this in person because it's so nice to look at your beautiful face Likewise. and to have a conversation instead of, I think everyone has Zoom fatigue. Yes, so no, that's it's, true. I, I think this is the first in-person podcast I've done in a very long time. <gasps> I am honored. Oh, Thank please. you. And I want to. I want to talk about you being in LA and all of the trinkets you have here on the table. You guys, yes, she came I in like party favors. she came in the door with like dropping J Lo's name already. And you, well, no, you're not like, exactly. That makes you sound like such a jerk. I mean, it makes you exciting. I'm like, oh, I'm no, sorry. No, you were no. you were at the screening of her movie well, last no, night. No, no, no. I just think it's so funny because her her stepmother. I saw her on my way to the ladies' room, and she stopped and said, "Hi, Katie. I'm Jennifer's." stepmother. Oh, and I said, hi, so nice to meet you. And then she introduced me to Jennifer's dad. And there was another couple with them. They were so sweet. And I said, I am so sorry I'm not wearing a mask because they had a little cocktail party area where you didn't have to wear a mask. But I was in the, uh, I was back in the mask area. And she said, oh, I have one. Would you like one? And I said, yes. So she gave me like this cute leopard mask. Yes, it's very and, stylish. And I thought it was very J-Lo. Yes. And I said, 
Thank you so much. But they were as sweet as they could be. But then during the screening of the movie, Cat, I was there with my daughter and Adriana, who works with me, is kind of like my right-hand woman. And we were watching Jennifer's dad watch Jennifer on the screen. And, and I thought he must be both proud and a little bit overwhelmed because there's the first dance number. She's wearing this flesh-colored, you know, she wears those flesh-colored dancing things with, and she's sort of bejeweled like oh. all the way down. Oh. It's kind of like following her Lena Negra. Oh. Remember that from oh, being pregnant? Oh my gosh. And it yes. was just, it was very, I mean, it was like, beautiful. She looked amazing. It, But, you know, her, and her dancing is pretty sexual. Okay. So I was thinking, what was dad, his face doing? What well, was he doing? Well, I only saw the back of his head and I'm sure <laughs> his he's enormously proud. Ah. And by the way, I'm sure he's used to it by now, but it True. still must be kind of an out-of-body experience for True. him. True. But I love that that is so, that's so you and I think me as a journalist, like we're we're taking in all of those things. Yeah. Even in the middle of a movie, we're kind of like, you're curious, like, ooh, what's and, Taylor's and, dad and doing? And she was there with Ben Affleck and uh, Ellie, uh, not El- Ellie, because she's so shy. Well, not really shy, but kind of shy. Adriana was saying, go, go say hi to Ben. Cause I interviewed him for a tender bar. And mm. I, I just didn't want to, I, I, I got shy too. And you I didn't did. want to be like, hi Ben. <laughs> and, and, and cause it was also be in front of the whole, like a lot of people in the theater and it would have been just kind of toolish. So, so you didn't say hi to ben, ben or to Jennifer, oh. who I've also interviewed, but I don't really know her. I know Ben a little bit better than her. And uh, how but about the movie their relationship? Was really fun. How about that relationship? It's funny that you bring them up because I am so I am more far removed from entertainment news than I've ever been in my life. Like right. I feel so out of the loop. I'm like purposely kind of staying off the pulse in some ways yeah. at this part of my life. But I saw a headline today that was J Lo and Ben share a kiss on the red carpet, and I'm like, well, I think it obviously. was probably last night. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I think. It's fascinating to me why so many people are fascinated by them. Yeah. You know, um, I feel sort of funny because I also love Jen Garner. And I I really, I just think she's amazing. And I think Jennifer Lopez is also amazing. And I I just hope everybody is doing well because relationships, divorce, it's so hard. But only imagine, and Kat, you can. Uh-huh. But I, I sometimes think people don't, recognize how much pressure it is to live your life so publicly. Right. And of course, it's part of the fine print. And there's so many positive things that come with celebrity and fame. But there are also so many pressures that I think sometimes people don't realize. I know that Jen Garner has done so much work in protecting her kids from the paparazzi. Yeah. She was you know, up on Capitol Hill. Right, even. right. Yep. And mm-hmm. and in front of the California state legislature, I think, mm-hmm. as well, and got a law passed. Yeah. Uh, She's amazing. And, and anyway, it's just interesting to me because life in, in that kind of white hot glare, I guess you get used to it, but it's also must still often feel surreal for people. Completely. And especially for that couple who had their first go around and then they knew what that was like. And then, you know, remember back in the Geely days oh, when then they, then they broke up and he had a spray tan and she was dressing and him. And she had a yellow the- canary diamond. <laughs> exactly. I remember that. But, you know, I think people are are so interested in love. You know, I think they there's something in us that wants to see people in love and happy. And also, I think it makes us remember, especially those early days of romantic love. And it is a chemical. I think probably your 
you know, your your endorphins are pulsating through your body. And it's such a natural high that I also think that people kind of look at new couples, even if they're going, you know, the second time around and and kind of are nostalgic for yes, that. That just completely. it just doesn't last forever. It just doesn't. Talk well, to, you it's know. so funny that we are even getting on this topic, which is not anywhere on my notes. But <laughs> this is why I love you, and this is why I love this show and the freedom of this space, because you never know what's going to happen on a podcast. But my show has become so much about relationships and love, namely because Katie Newsflash, I met someone for the first time in. It's been. I had a very toxic last relationship, spent a year working my ass off on the healing and doing the work and getting, you know, figuring out my part in that relationship and undoing old patterns and all these things. But my last couple of episodes sharing about my new boyfriend, back to all those chemicals, they're all running (laughs) through my body, Katie, and I'm loving it, but I know it doesn't last forever. But the interest in just even my audience, you know, you know, people who are invested in you and and stay with you and watch your offerings. I mean, they are so happy for me. It's so nice. It is nice. But, but the, the headline is, yeah, people care. I mean, my, my most recent episode, just talking about him and getting really vulnerable and sharing some details about our new relationship has more listeners than, you know, I've done this podcast for nine months. I'm Isn't curious. that wild? Well, I'm curious, Kat. How does he feel about that? Great question. Very good question. He is tickled by it, I think, but I've only been using his first name thus far. When I think it gets out who he is and he, you know, he has a a, a profile, if you will, a somewhat public profile, I think you know, we just have to be careful, but we talk about it. Of course, we talked about that in advance. And he kind of, he gets a kick out of out of it a little bit. But now if we're getting really honest, he also, you know, has an ex-wife and has other kids. And, you know, these kind of things, especially when you speak about them openly and vulnerably, it doesn't just affect you or the relationship you're in. It affects exes and children. There, is, there are all of those variables that you obviously have to be sensitive to, right? Right. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And I, you know, I I think probably suddenly I'm Dr. Ruth, but keeping <laughs> the conversation going yeah. and checking in with him because at some point I'm sure he's going to want boundaries and, or he's going to need boundaries, mm-hmm. right? You have to kind of negotiate and navigate this together. You know, I, I married someone who didn't have a public profile he gets a kick out of some of it, yeah. but other parts of it, you know, he's much more private than I am. Right. And he thinks I am like the most massive oversharer on the <laughs> planet. And compared to a lot of people, I actually am not. True. But, you know, I, th- I think just continuing the conversation, it's good that you're being sensitive to other people who may be affected by it. That's yeah. so important yeah. just as, you know, being a good human being. But I'm excited for you, too, because oh, um, I know it's been a, a long time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's really nice when you just enjoy someone's company. That's I, that's how I feel about my husband. I just I love being with him, but we're also very independent. And he's really funny. He's super smart. And I, I just, you know, it just that comfort of unconditional love. Like I've been in relationships where it's kind of a push pull and it's a lot of game playing. And you're like, 
wait, it's so destabilizing and unsettling when you don't know where you stand. Oh my gosh, that's it. I mean, you talked about this so much in your book, Going There, Everyone. And by the way, the husband she's referring to is John Molnar. If you don't know, he's so cute and they're so in love and you got to follow them on social media. And he is he the co-founder of Katie Kirk Media yeah, then as yeah, well, we right? Yeah, we started so it now, together. He's the CEO. I mean, yeah. while we're doing this, he is doing Zooms and conference calls and all kinds of things. God bless him. God bless him. He's doing all the stuff that, frankly, I don't want to do and I'm not good at, which is managing. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, we have almost 40 people now. And, I, you know, I'm all over the place doing a bunch of different scripted projects, unscripted projects, podcasts myself, newsletter, blah, 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 videos. I'm doing an Instagram Live with somebody when I leave about hair loss. He's like the foremost expert in the world about why so many women are losing their hair right now, which I think is fascinating. And they don't really know where to turn. But anyway, but John is, I, I'm talking way too much, Kat, but no, John is not. awesome. I'm just and, I'm just holding you hostage, though, for three hours. <laughs> that's so that's okay. the only deal is but I'm he's, not letting you go. <laughs> he's great. And 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 he is my partner in every sense of the oh. word, word and uh, or the term, yeah, the word. And so I feel really grateful. I feel very, very, very lucky because, you know, I had... A long period. It wasn't a drought, but I was drinking from the wrong trough. Well, that's the point I <laughs> wanted to touch on because in the book, you, I, I appreciated obviously someone who's been married twice and I was going through what I've been going through and so many women can relate, but you shared a lot about those years of dating after uh, the tragic death of your husband, Jay, for again, those who don't know, you you had this span of time where you were just trying to figure out life and, and, you, and you had some I don't know, would you call them toxic relationships or I don't know dating if they would a narcissist? Be to- or, yeah, I don't you know. know. I don't know if I would go far as far to say they were toxic, but you they were trouble. just, like they were not woman. right. They yeah. were not right. Yeah. They, they, you know, they were, they served a purpose, I think, uh-huh. but they weren't right mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. long term for me at yeah. all. I would be doing a disservice to my listeners if I didn't, and you're just going to have to bear with me for a second, but I have to, I have to set up you being at this table across from me today and fangirl for just a minute. So just allow me. I'm sorry if it's annoying, but I want to give framework to to my history with you, unbeknownst to you. Okay, if that's all right. Yeah. So I, um, and I was thinking about it actually on the way over here today because I was like, you know, I studied broadcast journalism and I'm like, when, you know, when did I first start watching you on TV? And it was, I was right when you got to the Today Show. I'm sure I was like, Senior in high school. Sorry, you know, that's for okay. saying that. But um, <laughs> okay. I, people do that to me now. At least you didn't say I was in kindergarten. <laughs> no, people do that to me now. I'm like, oh man, I've been around a minute because they're like, oh yeah, I used to watch you in middle school. And they're like, 30. I don't you hate that. <laughs> or if they're the same age as you Ooh. and they're like, I watched you when I I watched you when I was growing up, and you're like, come no, on, you bitch, you're my age. What the hell are you talking about? Anyway, sorry. No, that's okay. But that's when I kind of started getting the bug for a possible future in journalism. And then I was studying at IU in Indiana, where I'm from. And we took this very big, important trip to New York City for the first time. Um, I think the year was like 1995, maybe. Mm -hmm. And we drove our little car, my mom and my sister and my brother, whatever. Anyway, the, the big memorable exciting, thrilling moment for me as a young woman was getting to the Today Show outside, you know, Rockefeller Plaza. And we weren't cool enough or savvy enough to try and even get tickets to the show. But all I remember is seeing your face on the side of the building back when they like would throw your big headshot up there, right? In a big frame. I mean, it had to be like 
life size on the side of the building. And as close as I could get to you was getting a picture. Oh, I remember that. You I do? Think you, well, no. Well, I talked I, about it. I you emailed told you about, me about it. it. Yes. yes. And I think you actually sent me the picture. Well, I didn't because I can't find it, Katie. Okay. I well, can't find I, it anywhere. I can't tell you the amount of searching my mother terrible. has done. What I have been in the attic. I mean, all of this. Because I was like, when. Because this was, this predated iPhone. So you probably yes. took it with a regular camera. Exactly. You got it developed exactly. at the drugstore. Exactly. And who knows where they are? Who, I'm going to find that. I'm going to find that somewhere only because then that became when I got my first TV job in San Francisco, my first job out of college. Literally, then my mom blows up that picture. It's on a poster-sized pedestal at my party on my, my cat got a TV job and you're like the key, like you're the uh, ulcer of the party and all this stuff. So anyway, it's just wild to then now come together and meet all these years later. It's just very full circle for me. So I'm just telling you this to say thank you for taking the time and how we even actually connected was it took me getting covid and having a breakthrough case, and that's when we kind of connected. That's right. Like, Let's do that's an IG right. live, and I'm like, oh, thank you, COVID. I feel like <laughs> shit. And by the way, I felt so. I I could have actually been in the hospital dying, and I would have been like, I'll do an IG live with Katie. Oh. <laughs> sure, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. So I did it, but you just don't even know how sick I was. When oh, we did I'm that. so sorry. And and so how sick. long did that last for you? That it was, was like three a, weeks. Was that that was. Was that a breakthrough case it with Delta? Was, it was, and one of the first, which is why anybody even noticed, right? Right, right. Like, but then everybody ended up, you know, there were so many breakthrough cases after that. But yeah, we were all kind of stunned, and so that captured some attention. And, and of then, course, I watched you through the years and oh, shush. admired you. No, 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 it's true. Oh, no. It's true. And so it's fun. You know, we were kind of ships passing in the yeah. night, but it's now fun that that we've connected, really. Yeah. I don't, you know, at first during COVID and now, now. Well, yeah. And I, I and just bring here. it up because <laughs> I like, and again, with the show, and it sure is a beautiful day, I like to point out, I like to to, to notice those kind of how the universe works. Yeah. Because I, you know, I just say, I was just woke up really grateful. I'm like, get to sit across from Katie and share more of your story and, and whatever all this means, but I'm going with it. So going there, it was enormously successful, is still successful. Looking back now that it's out and you birthed it and you've been talking about it for a long time, I don't know, ad nauseum if you're over talking about it, but like in reflection, what are you most surprised about? It was hard at first, Kat, honestly. I think the book is honest, but it, I don't think it's mean-spirited at all. It's very self-reflective, very self-critical. I think the people who I called out deserve to be called out. Most of them have been fired at this point. And, you know, and it was cheeky. You know, some might say snarky. And I, I had some funny lines here and there. But I think, you know, it was so cherry-picked and distorted and misrepresented early on by the the gross tabloids who, you know, that's their stock and right. trade. That's Listen, no surprise, right? You know more than oh, anyone, yeah. you know, oh, especially yeah. now with clickbait and and wanting to feed the outrage machine. So that was disappointing at first, honestly, because I felt I felt so enormously proud of the book and how I I thought it was very smart and thoughtful and funny and obviously very sad in places, but kind of to have it twisted early on was a bummer for me. Mm. Having said that, anybody who's actually read the book instead of read headlines that, you know, say I said Deborah Norville's relentless perfection, and by the way, I said she was smart, beautiful, brilliant, Phi Beta Kappa, University of Georgia, like, you know, 
you know, the point I was trying to make is she was almost too beautiful for people getting up in the morning. She was so, so gorgeous and smart and sort of the the feeling people had that she was pushing out Jane Pauley, even though that wasn't her, it was management, right? you know, and she just was kind of, I'm sure, trying to figure out what to do. But um, I, the feedback I've gotten from the book has been so positive by, you know, from everyone who's read it. But it was hard to kind of initially feel like people were being taken off course. And I'm just grateful that so many people took the time to actually read it Mm -hmm. and to not just draw conclusions from weird, you know, tabloid thing or somebody who's trying to get their 15, you know, minutes of fame by using me that there was some of that going on too. But, you know, I've just been so gratified. Awesome. Ultimately. Amazing. When writing it with Adriana, you know... And Lucy, really. And Lucy. <laughs> I mean, the title is going there. So obviously, you're going to go to some places that are difficult for you to to um, revisit, maybe even. Was there any topic or theme or chapter or person that kind of kept you up at night thinking about, like, how do I convey this the right way? And how do oh, I... Oh, yeah. So much of it. Yeah, so much of it. It had to cat. weigh on you. Um, I mean, obviously, the Matt Lauer you know, piece had to be yeah, one of the most difficult. Yeah, Matt. And really trying to show Matt as a f- full human being, uh, one of, the, you know, trying to convey why I really enjoyed working with him, how talented he is. And yet how disappointed I was in learning about this behavior, which I also tried to establish. And and Kat, you're younger than I am, but I'm sure you were around when certain behaviors at these organizations, people turned a blind eye. It was acceptable. A lot of permissive environments that lead the way to more serious transgressions. And so, you know, instead of being super judgy about Matt, although I think I was pretty strong in my reaction ultimately, I really tried to illustrate how I processed it, how I learned about these things, how I talked to some of the women who were honestly very damaged from these experiences, how I educated myself on the role of the power dynamics of sexual harassment and inappropriate behavior. And so that, that was really hard, but I had spent so much time prior to that processing and thinking about it and even writing about it. I wrote a piece for The Atlantic, and I always told them I reserved the right to not have it published. And it was just too soon for me. It was just too soon yeah. for me. But I had been spending a lot of time just just kind of wrapping my head around the whole thing. And uh, that was hard, writing about Jay's death and illness was really hard. Uh, he was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer when he was 41 and died nine months later. I went and re, you know, talked to his doctors and really looked at myself about how I could have helped more. I feel a lot of guilt about that and still do. And, and I've talked, I talk a lot about that in the book and, you know, trying to be the cockeyed optimist and stay positive and, never really helping Jay have a good death, which there is such a thing. So those things were very, writing about my sister Emily, my parents' death, and I was so close to my mom and dad. 
And then there are a lot of fun things I wrote about. So I don't want everyone to think it's all, no, right, of you course. know, super No, you're sad. funny. You're funny. I was just laughing because I, I, have, I have the the hardback book and the Audible I would listen to when walking and whatever. But I just, I found myself laughing a lot too. I and am kind of funny, you're, Kat, You're right? pretty freaking funny, Katie. You're pretty funny. But back to media and power dynamics. Only sure. because I love what you just said about educating yourself because you can be in a situation, myself included, when these stories started coming forward, it was almost like, for me anyway, it was kind of like this light bulb goes off where then you you replay everything and you go back to being on set or being at the anchor desk. And, and I'm like, that's what that was. Like, I didn't have a name for it maybe at the time or I didn't know where to put it or store it or people weren't really talking about it until a lot of these victims came right, forward, right? right? So you would go through your days working and I remember specifically looking back after I left my job over a pay disparity issue, which mm -hmm. was different than the the sexual stuff, but um, you know, more times up than me too. But I look back and I'm like, how many times did I walk in a room? And I'm curious if this ever happened to you. Probably not because you're such a great big bold personality, but I remember walking in a room with my male co-host and we would walk in and I would always walk behind or people always shook his hand first or he would always get the eye contact. You know, just those little dynamics yeah. of just how men operate at work versus women, whether it's media or anywhere. I mm -hmm. just remember, but I allowed that. Looking back, I was like, what, what was wrong with me kind of like sheepishly knowing my place? It was almost like I just kind of knew, you know, even in the script copy of the show every night, I'd have to go in and go, can I open the show tonight? Can I say welcome to the you know, E! News, why does he always get the first line? I know that sounds silly. And it's no, not, it, it's it not an ego silly thing. at all. I talked about that right? with Brian Gumpel exactly. and wanting a 50-50 division of labor right. on the Today Show. And Brian insisted he had to open every show. He had to yep. throw to weather. He had to throw to every commercial break. And I think it's all subtle sexism. And I don't yeah. think you should beat yourself well, up. What like, I mean why is, did I put up my with ego. it? ego. I, I want to just be clear. Like, it, I don't, it's not an ego like, I need more airtime. It is. It's about that, the fair, what's fair. Oh, yeah. That's I all agree. it is. No, no, no. Yeah. I couldn't agree with yeah. you more. And, you know, you want an equal division of labor. You want an e you want equal pay. You want you want to even the playing field and and have everyone who's coming to the table being treated the same. And certainly in the 90s and 80s, when I got into television, mostly in local news, although I was at ABC and CNN for a stint, um, through the 90s and early 2000s, you're right, there was a, a lot of subtle sexism that, that you should feel happy just having the opportunity, you know? And... I still think that exists to a certain degree. And a lot of the, these attitudes are so baked in to our DNA and the way we've been culturally conditioned. It's, it's, it's hard to, to kind of parse it out. But as I said, I don't think you should feel like, why did I put up with it? I think it was the system. Right. And, and it was sort of no questions asked. It was the way it was. And to make waves or to rattle cages, you were often demeaned and considered like a whiner or a bitch, which you never hear a man being called a whiner. I mean, there's still so many gendered words and expressions. You never hear a man being called a diva. I was talking to a friend of mine about this last night, and we were saying, you know, it's so interesting. Men are ruthlessly competitive, ambitious. 
they feel threatened when their job, you know, somebody's kind of sniffing around their job. They aren't necessarily like, come, let me help you replace me. <laughs> and, and yet, and yet it, it, it's something that's considered very specifically female. And one of the things I brought up in my book, which I thought was actually very courageous, and I think I'm telling you 99% of the women at that time and probably many still today feel protective of their turf, especially when you get to a certain level in this media stratosphere. Right. So I thought it was like, yeah, sometimes I felt like, who are these people coming around and being being placed there by these male executives for maybe questionable reasons? Like, I like her lips, her bee-stung lips, or you can only imagine how sh- hot she would look covering a war in a safari jacket. Ew. Oh. So, so I think, you know, for me to be able to be really honest and say, Sometimes, you know, I was like, oh, who is that? And is she trying to take my job? Um, Was suddenly interpreted, but only by like trashy publications, that I was somehow like a misogynist. I'm like, what? Oh, my God. You know what I mean? So the leap that people make and the narrative Mm -hmm. that they try to co-opt from your own story can be really frustrating. You know, what I really wanted to talk about is how can we at every workplace How can we better support each other? You know, how can we answer our own ambition and competitive natures and and desire to achieve and also support other women at the same time? How can we not necessarily be pitted against each other? Mm -hmm. To me, that's a much more productive and fruitful conversation because no matter where you are, I, I think that as more jobs become available for women, it's less competitive and it, there's more room at the table. Right. But even today, I have women saying to me, you know, I just, I feel like some of the women in the office are my, you know, worst enemies. And I just think there's there's a real discussion to be had about that. Do you think it would be a more supportive uh, environment if at the top there were just more women to begin with? Definitely. Right? I, like, because oh, there's if no we question had it about from the that. Top down, then we would feel already just more insulated in our own. Yes. Right? There's no question about it. Listen, nobody's going to be completely happy in any workplace situation. Somebody's going to get promoted over somebody else. And, you know, and, 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 but it's just interesting kind of our, our impulses to, to really win and to do well, which you need, I think, to be successful, Mm -hmm. but also making sure that, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats type thing. Amen. Amen. And the money piece is obviously very important to me as well. Right. Which Um, you've done so much great work in that department. And that's really admirable. The money conversation wasn't as prominent as it is now. And more and more women are are understanding that they have to advocate for themselves and get paid what they're worth and all of this. So I guess my question is, if you have any advice in that arena, like how how can each of us um, do our part in this system to to shrink the wage gap? Because it's very slow moving. And you think about white women, yeah. but then you think about the intersectionality piece and it's like, it's doubly worse for I mean, honestly, uh, and I'm not skirting the, the question, I feel like you're, you're much, you know, you have much more expertise in this. I was really fortunate because I show up on the Today Show, it's going through a really turbulent, difficult time the ratings go up. So I had this built-in kind of 
fuel. I mean, I sort of had been turbocharged to do well. And I became really important to the organization because I was helping with the ratings. So I never really had to advocate for mm-hmm. myself for in terms of my salary. Yeah. I I was very fortunate and I put was put in a position where I was in the driver's seat. You know, I had the leverage. I think when you don't have the leverage, that's when it's much harder. Right. But so the I, key is getting the leverage. The key well, is recording I mean, your wins or yeah, you know Yes, exactly. Like how have you contributed to the organization? You can't you just know, know your worth. You have to literally define it, declare it, itemize yes, it, and exactly. put that and on a billboard and a t-shirt. Kind of, yeah. right? Like you have to say, this is what I've done. I think if you come, and again, I, I, I would defer to you on this seriously, but if you come from a position of, this is what I have been able to do, this is what I can continue to do, I really think, or I'm underutilized in this, instead of kind of... I, I don't know. I mean, you tell me, Kat, would it be effective too if you said, John is earning this, but we're actually doing the same job. And let me show you kind of in a way that isn't, doesn't make people feel defensive. Right. And I don't want to, and, and that you're not too confrontational, but very matter of fact, I always think that when you're approaching this conversation, you have to be extremely well prepared. You should role play with somebody, you know, a friend or a spouse or a partner and say, let's have this conversation. So you're really ready to go. So you feel confident. You should role play like, what if they say this? You should say this. Yes, what great. if this is said to you? But tell me, you tell me what well, from what everything you've learned. What you're already saying, I think, um, in negotiations or just to your point, anytime you have any kind of important conversation like that with your superior, the role-playing piece is definitely advice I've been given. Because by the way, I didn't do it right. I mean, because I, I ended up leaving ultimately. I didn't get what I wanted. So right. I, I'm not over here saying I did it right because I didn't, but I but have you learned, learned a lot. lot. We've learned a lot since. The other piece, and I, I also think I might be guilty of this, and you know, everyone works differently, but before you have to get to the money piece and have that conversation, that 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 very delicate conversation you're describing, why don't you make sure that you are creating a good relationship, period, with whoever is making those decisions? Right. Like, don't wait until the contract's coming up or the promotion shows up and then, like, you know, try to have this conversation. You know, have maybe try to grow a safe exchange with this said person far before you have to ask for something. I also think, you know, going the extra mile is so important. I think sometimes I feel like younger employees, they're so concerned about work-life balance. And I think there's merit to that. But you really get the attention of people if you are self-starter, have a lot of initiative, come up with ideas. I write about when I was at ABC as a desk assistant, I went to Don Farmer, who was the anchor, an uh, reporter for 2020 at the time. And I said, I've got some story ideas for 2020. I mean, here it was 22 years old. I'm sure he looked at me like it was out of my mind. He said, come on in. And I said, I think you should do a story about this Center for Compulsive Gamblers in Pikesville, Maryland, uh, and blah, blah, blah. I had like a list of six. And you know, just doing that, he was, you know, so, and, and he ended up hiring me on Take Two, which was a CNN show that was from noon to two. I moved to Atlanta, was an associate producer, and then I started doing on-air work. And so 
I, I think people kind of forget, and I think maybe they don't want to feel like they're a brown noser or something, but and I maybe just think- a little bit about our younger generations. I can say that because I have a 21 year old, but there is that that work ethic you're describing and that hunger and that do anything. It, it's it, I don't see as much of that today. I know, and I don't know why, because it really is so the key to success. Yeah. You, you know, create you it. I mean, somebody you put yourself attention. in the position. How many times did you do that? I did the same thing. I was I was 20 in Indianapolis, which was like the 24th largest market. It wasn't a small market like everybody, you know, most people are doing. I loved hearing your early days of your story, but but I did the same thing. I knocked on the news director's door. I said, you know, I would show him tape after tape and he was kind enough to review it and tell me what he thought and what I needed to work on. And like, you have to, again, it's back to just- And I bet like on a Saturday you said, hey, or can I, can I shadow a reporter? Oh, always. Can I watch yes. you in the edit room? You know, and people yeah. are, are flattered. I I love doing that. And I just think that it does get people's attention. Mm -hmm. It really does. So before you go in asking for that raise or that promotion, to, to your point, you want to establish not only a comfortable relationship, that, but you can establish that com comfortable relationship by offering to help. And what can I do? And you know, are you doing, you know, just going the extra mile and just saying, hey, I'm around. If you ever need any extra help when I'm done with my stuff, I love doing research. I can help you at night, even when I go home. And, you know, I, I don't know. It depends on obviously the workplace and what the job responsibilities are, but just volunteering and, and, and being open to new opportunities, I think will help you so much. Well, and then we should bring that to now that you do run your own media company, what is the number one quality or characteristic or asset that you look for when you're hiring, you know, these next generation of folks? It's funny because Ina Garten, I interviewed her not too long ago, and she said, you can teach anyone about cheese, but you can't teach them how to be happy. So I think attitude is everything. Like John was an investment banker and he used to say, I will hire a hungry kid who went to a state school and is really motivated over some Harvard graduate any day of the week, you know, who thinks he or she just kind of, you know, I was going to say a nasty expression, but you know, uh, uh, you know, should be should be hired. I think I look for people who really love what they do, right? Who who don't see it as a job, but see it almost as a passion. And I look for curiosity. I look for people who are really interested in the world. I look for people who are just jazzed to contribute to an organization. And obviously, like if there are certain skill sets, for example, we have an incredible team of writers who work on our newsletter every day. And we need people who have, you know, who are always on the lookout for interesting stories that will resonate with our audience and who, who also write with some flair. You know, you want it to be engaging and inviting. So those are the things we really look for. Somebody And who, are you hiring is the next question. <laughs> big is the company now? How many employees think, do you have? Well, I think in it, um, if you include some of sort of our consultants and advisors and think pe uh, people we outsource some of the jobs to, it's probably about 40, 
45 people wow. now. Wow. Yeah. And we do, I, I think the business model is so interesting, Cap, because we work with purpose-driven brands who care about issues like gender equality. You know, like we work with Ally Financial and they're really interested in, in, in issues of gender, financial literacy, women who are disrupting the world. And there's so much exciting entrepreneurial activity going on. And so I tell stories about these like incredible women who I love to interview, who, you know, car mom, who is doing videos for women and moms on what cars they should buy and has a huge following, but it's a big empty hole in the marketplace. I interviewed another woman who is helping college students not be so focused on regurgitating or memorizing information, but on developing life skills and and really trying to find their passion instead of just, you know, getting that A plus or acing that test. And to me, that is is so exciting and so necessary. Interviewed Julie Foudy, who you must know from women's soccer, about the leadership academy that she's doing to help female athletes learn to to really translate the leadership skills they're learning on the field to the real world. So, you know, and and dealing with some of the stuff you were talking about, like feeling like you're the second person and that that the guy kind of sucks all the oxygen out of the room. And how do you make sure your voice is heard? And mm-hmm. how do you bring up a point without saying, like, this may not really be relevant, but, Ugh. you know, I go to yeah. board meeting. I oh, went yeah, to a board just meeting, the garbage and like, alone. Yeah. There was a Princeton professor who was, like, apologizing oh. me before she made the point. And I was like, it's oh. so deeply ingrained in our psyches oh. that somehow it's not feminine to be, um, you know, outspoken, to make your point. And it's so infuriating. Or, man, you know, what do they call it? He peeting, oh, yeah. where you make a point, but he peeting yeah. when you're around a table. Oh, and then he takes your idea. He takes your idea, yeah. Oh, yeah. and everyone's like, "That's a great idea." And you're like, "Wait a second, time out. Didn't I just say that?" Yeah. So all these things, I think, as women come into to to the workplace in greater numbers than ever before. Actually, that's not really true because 3.5 million dropped out during the pandemic, but hopefully that will change. And as we make our presence known and our voices heard. They're little things that we need to to do to to kind of change the whole vibe of a place, right? Yeah, completely. And I would imagine, I mean, with your own company now, you are not just a journalist, you're an entrepreneur and you're running a business and you're a boss and you yeah. know, you're you have a team and you're guiding and teaching all of the people Below you. So what? I mean, I, I imagine- I'm trying. I'm trying. You know, I I'm. They're they're all really great. I have to say, are you comfortable in this space? You I know? mean, because obviously, it's one thing to to do these interviews you've done your whole career, world leaders, A list celebrities. I mean, you've run the entire gamut, and now, but this is a different beast. Well, I same think, content. Yeah. Beast. What's interesting is, I really think John is so good at that. I mean, he's, he is a, you know, it's interesting because, you know, what you were saying earlier about sometimes younger employees, you know, it's a very different relationship. Like we sometimes say we would have never said that to our bosses back in the day. And maybe there's some really good parts of that, but sometimes it's like, wait a second, who's working for, you know, who's zooming whom? (laughs) And so, um, but, but 
I because my heart really lies in creating, you know, and and doing conversations in telling stories. That's really my passion. And I also feel like that's my lane where I I am really good at that, I think. I can say that with confidence. Learning to manage a, a team and organize. I'm not organized, Kat. You can ask John. He what? calls me tornado whenever, because I can mess up a room faster than anybody. And so I love, how can we tell, like, this was interesting today, as I, I, as I told you, I had a lot of friends coming to me and saying, I don't know what to do. I'm losing my hair. My hair is really thinning. And I talked to a friend of mine who had the problem. I found the, you know, this guy in, in Whistler in British Columbia who is sort of the foremost expert. I reached out to him. I said, hey, can we do an Instagram Live? Because I think a lot of people are having this problem and they don't know where to turn. There are very few dermatologists who have expertise in this area. There's been very little research that's been done because it's considered a cosmetic problem, not a medical condition. Mm. Insurance doesn't pay for it. And I thought, there are a lot of women out there. They need me to oh, talk to yeah. this guy yes. and to ask him questions because yes. they, I, I, I think what I really love doing, Kat, I love using my access mm. to help other people with the information they need to, uh, and or to just enlighten them and, you know, and, and, and I feel really fortunate because I still have enough street cred where I can reach out to somebody and I can say, can we have a conversation about women and alcohol? Can we have a conversation about long haul COVID? Can we have a conversation, Jessica Chastain, about your career? And I think people know I will be prepared that I'm genuinely really interested in what they have to say and that it will be an elevated conversation. And so John says that's my superpower. Yeah. And so question. I, I right. may be and a boss, but I'm really more of a guidance counselor. He's right. kind of the boss. You 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 are serving still. You are you, I that's what you're that's serving. What you're serving me. us. No, I, and I appreciate that and i i am also driven by uh, similarly today you know i covered the kardashians every day of the week you know back in the day and i was like it was my job to to know those headlines that we talked about that are disgusting in many ways and so i've had a huge life shift and part of what you're just speaking about is something i'm very passionate about too just midlife in general mm -hmm. and women in general and there is still such a stigma associated with aging oh and gosh, our yeah. bodies and talking about hot flashes or talking about perimenopause, menopause, all these things. And um, it, it's hit me. It is hitting me um, personally, but I, I'm thinking the same things. I'm like, I want to get information, have the conversations people aren't having about this. There's so many new discoveries. There's so much yeah, science out there. Yeah, we do a there. lot of that on, yeah. in our newsletter. We talk a lot about those issues. And I don't know if you watched and just like that. Yes. But they sort of were talking oh, about it. I right. never heard of flash periods. I never had that, but that was interesting. I noted and, that same scene yeah. because I'm like, oh, when was the last time you ever, that was ever written into a show or yeah. or, or anything because 
it's very important for me to help women feel more comfortable in their bodies because if we are, then we're just happier, more productive humans, right? It Everybody is really wins. hard though. I do, I, I agree with you and I've done a couple of podcasts on this, but aging is is sort of the, the last accept, acceptable form of discrimination, especially when it comes to women. You know, men become more distinguished and women just look old as shit. You know, I mean, it's just hard. And, you know, I just turned 65 and it's, first of all, you're like, wait, how did that happen? But I feel like I have so much to contribute, but it's very hard. You don't see many older women on television, for example, in broadcast journalism, right? Mm -hmm, it's like right. Andrea Mitchell, you go. Yeah. Leslie Stahl, I think it's almost 80, but they are such anomalies. Yeah. And it, it's hard. And I, I think one of the reasons I wanted to do that job, just getting back to CBS, I thought I didn't want it to be such a novel experience to see a female in that role. And even though it didn't work out for me, I hope I kind of didn't I, I? I hate the the whole glass ceiling thing because it's so overused. But I hope hope I I started to help normalize the idea of seeing as a woman as an authority figure. I'm not sure if I accomplished it, and there's still so much sexism pervasive in our society. But you, you just have to kind of, you know, even me. I'm so conditioned when I see someone who looks old. I'm like, whoa, because we just are not exposed to particularly women of a certain age, you know? And I think, God, I love Sally Field. I, I'd love to see her in a movie. And I feel like women just are, are pressured to be less visible as they get older because they don't want people saying, oh, she looks terrible. She's really gotten old. Remember how I ended my book, which was so funny when I said during Instagram lives, people say, wow, she looks old. And I'm like, yeah, I yeah, do. Yeah. And aren't I lucky? Amen. But right. it's still hard. You know, I, I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, Jesus Christ, what happened? No, I know. That's, I think, is the hardest part. Regardless, I know I'm a little younger than you, but I have the same, you know, same thing. I look in the mirror. I'm like, why do I look tired? I'm not tired. I feel great. But my eyes are changing. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard. And I think we have to kind of be be kind to ourselves because I think the way we see what you know what is beautiful or what looks good is 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 very specific and sometimes you know we just have to write this one standard of beauty this one standard of what it's supposed to look like to age gracefully all yeah, of these and, and things. i think we have to be more accepting and Adriana always says you know what if i'm saying like ugh I look terrible or, no, no. or, you know, she says enough with the You're negative self-talk. not self -talk. allowed to say that out loud, Katie. But, but come on, a lot of people think it. We're and thinking so it. how do you what kind do you of do counter that? What do you do to combat that? it? What do you do like personally? I mean, and, and I, just and I don't even mean just the vanity. I step away from the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> but do you do anything? I mean, because you do look great. You look great. And no, you look happy I mean, and listen, you're shining. Like, the fact of the matter is. How do you is, stay feeling good? You know what I mean? It, it's the energy I, I, piece too and the sleeping piece. It's not even just how we're covering our gray hairs, right? It's just yeah. like, how do I live an optimal life and feel good in my body? Yeah, I think that I. You're drinking I, a lot of water. We, we haven't even mentioned what you've got on the table here today. Yeah, I've got my. Uh, you're supposed to have. How a, much is that? You're sp I, um, I, it's a lot, Kat. I don't know. It's, I think it's. I would guess it's sixty-four ounces because it's probably what eight. You're supposed to have eight, eight 
yeah. ounces eight times a day. Is that yeah. what those lines are? I guess. <laughs> You're supposed to have a very positive relationship with your water bottle. That's what Adriana told me. For what results? Because you're supposed to have an affinity for it. If you love your water bottle, you're going to suck on your water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> this is another man's idea. Damn it. You're, you're gonna, I knew it. <laughs> you're going to um, drink more and it's going to be a positive thing. So I'm trying to develop She's a positive it. relationship with, wow, Katie. with my water bottle. But I, you know, listen, I try to get up every day. I'm sort of you know, it's different. It was a big adjustment for me because for, gosh, 25, 30 years, I went to an office. I mean, I think a lot of people are dealing with this with COVID. You had a certain rhythm to your life. And I think whenever those rhythms are interrupted, whenever you become an empty nester, for example, I think children kind of keep a certain cadence to your life. And suddenly you're like, wait, I don't have to make dinner. You know, I'd always try to sit down and have dinner with my girls. And, you know, I think all these life stages, it's sort of like, er, you got to get readjusted to a different rhythm. So I think what's interesting in my current life is I don't go to a newsroom. I don't prepare for a newscast or some kind of show or doing a story and do it, you know, get it done. Everything leads up to that event. And then I go home. I'm you sure. I'm sure you have yeah, this cat I too. I so know that. And feeling. now yeah. it's not exactly like the Joan Rivers doc where she's terrified of an empty calendar. I don't know if you remember that, but it's sort of having this kind of flexibility, which is wonderful, but it's also a little discombobulating. So, especially if you're not as or you said you aren't an organized person. So, by like nature. every day is so different, yeah. and you know, I'm just doing different. You know, today I got up, I went to a Pilates class, then I had a call because I'm working with a, a company that is trying to make counseling and therapy for people who have eating disorders much more accessible because it's a real problem. And and what they're doing now just isn't effective. It's family-based therapy. It's got a whole team. It's more digitally focused. But anyway, so I had a call with them. How could I help them? And then I, you know, I'm trying to think of what did I do after that? Then I'm writing people e emails. I had to write a 15-minute speech. So it's all kind of, and then I'm doing these scripted projects and unscripted projects, and I'm working on an exciting project with Peacock, I think, uh, which is about to, you know, to get underway into production. So it's just weird when you, I mean, you're, you must relate to this. Totally. I do. I do. I, everything you're saying, I'm over here nodding, nodding, nodding. No, I, I do because I did same thing for five days a week, 20 years of light goes on, light goes off, go home. And it was a beautiful thing because you could not always, but you can kind of go, ah, that one's over. That one's done. I mean, of course, you had things to prepare right. for later in the week. But once it was into the world, there was no back and doing it over. And then when I left E, I, I, it was a big adjustment for me. Same thing. Firstly, just building my own business. But then right. just the cadence of life, like you mentioned, it is very different. God, it's pretty liberating, though, and very freeing yes. when you're tied to that desk for so many years with all those gifts. Well, but the still. grass is always greener, right? Like right. sometimes you miss it because it's sort of it's you can be almost I don't want to say lazier, but you can be more complacent yeah. because you've got to do this at a certain time. You have to be much more, um, you know, of a self-starter and, and and discerning, right? Because 
I'm doing so many things. Sometimes I'm like, I just need to really focus on X, Y, and Z, but I want to do so many things. So I think to answer your question, waking up and feeling excited about the day ahead is wonderful, but it's also still challenging for me to not be walking into a news organization and talking to my colleagues and what are we going to cover or can we do this story or what about this? What about that? You know, who should I interview or, you know, you need to call somebody because you're trying to get that interview for 60 minutes. So it's just, it's less structure, which is liberating. And I think people who are in the structured environment would like to be in a less structured environment, especially as media is, I don't, you know, is, is constricting, right? And their mass media has become an oxymoron. It just doesn't exist anymore. Like it did when, when certainly I started and even when you started, Kat. You know, there's so many outlets and people are getting their information. Mm, they used to turn screen. on the Today Show yeah. at 7 a.m. I remember I did when I was in my 20s. Like, I want to know what's happening in the world. I'm going to watch Jane Pauley and Bryant Gumbel. And now, now it's already on Twitter. So Right, or it's on your phone and you look at your newsletters and you look at Twitter or you look at Apple News and you kind of can get through all those sources a pretty understanding of what, a pretty good understanding of what's happening in the world and the things that you're interested in, right? But how cool is it that now you can just interview Gen Jessica Chastain from your living room? Yeah. I mean, how, I mean, did you ever think, I mean, it's wild. I mean, that was the first it time I interviewed wild. you was from my home office on my phone. I mean, right. like, it's wild. It is wild, but I'm also so grateful, Kat, because if the technology didn't allow us to continue doing what we love to do, we'd be shit out, out of luck, luck sister. No kidding. <laughs> you know, oh, and, yeah. you know, they, you know, there's a finite oh, yeah. number of jobs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the idea that I can talk to a big audience and a community of people who trust me and think I'm credible and care, you know, about sort of the things I'm interested in, it's such a gift. You know, the fact that it, people make fun of everyone having a podcast, but the fact that you can have these longer conversations. You know, when I was leaving the Today Show, interviews were like four minutes long, and it was so frustrating oh, for me. That and always you drove know how me it crazy, is. too. Or you'd go on the field and do a 30-minute sit-down that you thought was phenomenal, and then it'd be chopped into two minutes. And you just, it's so like... But now yeah. you can iterate content for different platforms. If you have a really great conversation, you can put it on YouTube. Yep. If you live. have, you, you can put a... And, and starting my own company, you know, uh, with John we are creating really a media company and we don't necessarily want to rely on Instagram Live. We want people to go to our website and see the content we created and that we're figuring out the technology to do that. And it's so exciting because the sky's the limit and everything continues to change. And my dad, I remember when he helped me write a graduation speech, I think it was for Lehigh. It was the first one I'd been asked to do, and I've done a number of graduation addresses. But he said, it's so important to keep an eye on trends, like what's happening, how things are doing, because, you know, you want to continue to evolve. And you don't want, the last thing I wanted to do is be hang on to network television by my fingertips and feel like I was riding on the back of a dinosaur. Right. Because, you know, sometimes I was a little too early when I went to Yahoo, for example, and, you know, I saw I saw the way 
things were changing, but I kind of probably jumped on that a little too early, but I still learn things completely that are benefiting me now with my own company. I always, you know, when I was on cable television all those years, same thing. I always prided myself on surrounding myself with younger people and smarter people that were really dialed into technology. Right. It was one of the smartest things I ever did. And maybe that was in part because I had kids young and luckily I, yeah. I was just by circumstance more exposed to a lot of that. So I wasn't operating in this little TV bubble where I thought that was the holy grail and the only way, the truth, the light, you know, that's it. And I remember starting to build my blog and starting to get my website all while I was at E in those final Which is years. really smart. Well, not only smart, but it, it allowed me to leave because I had built something on the side that I could, you know, still a gamble, you know, when right. you go out on your own, but I had something to go to no matter what. But I, I also remember a lot of the executives. It was such a, it was looked down upon that how dare I go out and like have a blog and have a voice and create content. I remember in those early days, it, I was chastised for it. And that was even brought up. I don't even think I've ever said this. On my final day out the door, the departure after I'd made the news that I was leaving, one of the president at the time, he was still trying to justify my pay that I make my own pay over here on the catwalk.com. So why should they pay me? Right. So you were being both sort of you're being penalized for for having a side hustle where they actually should have been learning from you right it's funny because when i talk about this at cbs i was very interested in the world wide web and <laughs> say you know and knowing that th there was infinite real estate and yeah. there was so much you know exciting things that you could create that people could watch on demand. And this was back in 2006. And I joined Twitter, I think in 2009, and the vice president of CBS News, who was really a very unpleasant man, said to one of my friends who was a producer with me, or you know, one of the producers for the Evening News, he said, I think it's beneath the anchor of the CBS Evening News to be on the, twi the Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just thought, Ugh. These these guys don't get it. it no. Things are changing. No. And I think it's because they didn't want the status quo disrupted because their it's, livelihood on to depended on the life. status quo. Yeah. I think the very smart media executive are the ones who say we need to transition or we need to straddle these two worlds, but we're not going to dismiss new media or the way things are changing in order to ride on the back of a dinosaur and make sure we get our pension and a gold watch at the end of our careers. Completely. Right? Exactly. I, I said something similar when Snapchat was born. I remember being on the set of E! News and I remember a, a newly appointed executive who had only had been in sales, mm -hmm. was suddenly in charge of the news content. I remember thinking that was weird anyway. <laughs> and then I, you know, I'm like, oh, the Snapchat, the Snapchat really seems to be a thing. And I'd be on my phone. Mind you, I was pushing 40 at the time and I was not the, the intended audience at the time when Snapchat was born. But I said, this is going to take it off. Are we going to get an account? Are we going to have a show account? You know, all this. And I remember him saying, oh, come on, that's for teenagers. You know, and just very dismissive, very like, that's not, don't even worry about that thing. It's and now so it's one of their most successful shows. They have a Snapchat daily show and it's, they've got real estate and yeah, all this. It's so short-sighted. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's why I think certain certain people are visionaries and certain people yeah. aren't. Yeah, yeah, very true. Okay, I don't have you forever. Okay. So 
just to drive this home because we're going to do a little fun rapid fire game. Oh boy. Dun, 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 dun. I say rapid, but knowing you and I together, it might not be so rapid. So. <laughs> I'll try to make it rapid because okay. it's so annoying okay. when you say rapid fire and people talk for like five minutes. Well, I also don't want to keep you from the rest of your day. So, okay. Um, you were a cheerleader. I was. What was your best move, asset, chant? What were you known for? I could do a really solid herky. Ooh, we love a herky. <laughs> Is Love it me a good herky? <laughs> and half of the listening audience that is they don't know what a herky is. Like, what the so hell a herky is, that? is a jump where you stick one leg out straight and then uh, you bend the other leg. And anyway, that's, that's it. it. I bet you had some springy legs. I, I, you I, you were good. Well, you know, you I gymnast? was a good little athlete yeah. when yeah. I was younger. But nothing like cheer. When I see those folks, I'm like, oh my God. Could you ever do a back tuck or a back flip or any of that? I mean, I, I could do a back handspring. I could do a back flip probably with someone spotting me, you know, walkovers. I could do a really good headstand and I can still stand on my head. You I can. must have a flat head cap, <laughs> but I'm really good. I can, I, I, so my little gymnast roots often come through when I'm doing yoga or I'm trying to, I you wish know. I had my yoga mats here. I would give anything for a picture of you and I doing our headstands well, together. Well, I'm wearing a dress, so I don't well. think that would work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is just a yes or no. Is it true that you're related to the ninth president of the United States? I think, yes. William Henry Harrison, who died, I think, because uh, he got pneumonia during his inaugura inaugural address because it was snowing. And I think he was only president for a month or two. Wah, wah. No. Okay. Well, still, um, Succession or Ozark? Succession. Do you love that show as much as I do? I do. I mean, I find it a little unnerving. Dark. It's dark. I find it unnerving because it's so. It reminds me of the politics of TV oh, news right. a it little hits bit. Too close to so home it's, sometimes. It just feels like everyone has an agenda, and they're yeah. all. You know, and you you know what people say they don't mean. So I find it a, a tad stressful. I am in love with Jason Bateman. So John loves Ozark, and I love Laura Linney too. Oh, but to be honest with you, I've never gotten into Ozark, and I should because mm. I also love Julia Garner. Oh, she's brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, it's pretty stick dark with too, it. isn't it? I know. I don't know why I love all these dark shows, but yes, it is very dark, but deliciously so. If okay. I might say so myself. If you had to return to one of the three networks to save the life of someone you love, ABC, CBS, or NBC? What do you think? NBC? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You said Peacock earlier, so I'm like, yeah. oh, you guys must still be doing all right. The last famous person you texted? The last famous person? Um, ben Affleck? Shut up! That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, actually, I emailed him. But I emailed him through his former publicist, Ken Sunshine. So that may not count. Bethany Frankel, maybe. Okay, those are um, both fun. Yeah. Those are fun and yummy. Yeah. Oh. Your memoir is called Going There. If there was an alternate title, what would it be? Well, I wanted to call it Moxie because that's what my dad said I had. And I think the word is interesting because it's very even. What's that word when you have a haircut that's, oh, it's very symmetrical. Asymmetrical, symmetrical. It's very symmetrical. Okay. And I think the X would have been right in the middle mm -hmm. underneath my sh photo. And um, so, yeah. And then we thought, my husband, my late husband used to say I was born on a sunny day. And Adriana are, and I are always like, thank God we didn't call it born on a sunny day. <laughs> because... 
I, you know, because I do sort of. You go like, there. I go there. You go there. It, and yeah. yeah, I think going there is. Well, you have ultimately, to. Ultimately, because it's not just about going there and, as in spilling the tea. It's kind of like, you know, I didn't go there with Jay. I, you know, going there and traveling and going all these places for my career. So I think it has like a triple entendre, mm, if you will. Okay, I like that. Are yeah. you done writing books? Or are you going to do? Well, it's funny because my book agent just said, I want to discuss your next book. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Maybe you can call it Moxie. <laughs> call it Moxie. But I do think, you know, I, I have thought about writing a book about women in transition as they get older in midlife, kind of stop it. Changing so sort of that. you know, yes. changing directions, finding something. And I, I just think there's something about that because I think someone told me by twenty forty there are gonna be eighty million people in this country over the age of sixty five or over. Eighty million people. So it's a huge untapped audience. And I think you know, I talked to Tina Brown at something and I was saying, why is this 18 to 49? Why are people so obsessed with that? I know like consumer habits are established then, but it's when you get a little older that you've been working your ass off your whole life that you have some more disposable That's income. That's the buying power right there. Right? Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. Well, maybe that's shifting. Maybe. It should if it isn't. Um, your favorite part of being a mother? I just, I love seeing... My daughters fly. You know, I always think of that expression, roots and wings. And I think it's so gratifying to, to watch your children evolve into good people. And, um, and I just love their company. You know, I'm a very social person. I don't like to be alone. I, I wish I could go to a restaurant, eat by myself, and read a book. I'm the person who wants to invite the person doing that to my table because yeah. I feel so bad for them, even oh. though they're perfectly content, I'm sure. But I love <laughs> I love people. I love chaos. And I love, I love just the sound of people all around me. I'm just not a very solitary person. That's nice. But no, kids are good for that when they like you. And <laughs> Oh yeah, my kids my, are like I don't want to be around. Right yeah, it's it's my, my daughter Carrie sometimes does not want to be in the same zip code as me, but and but um but I think she does really like. Yes, me. of course she does. You have a garden. I've seen you post. Where is that garden? You have a garden. I have a house in East Hampton. Yes, in the Hamptons, and I've seen the garden looks amazing. So, what is the easiest vegetable to grow for any of us trying to tackle the whole farm to table philosophy? Mint. It takes over the whole place. <laughs> Whether you like so it or not. Yeah, and zucchini. <laughs> okay. Other than being described as perky, what is another irritating way that people have described you that gets under your skin? Lightweight? Mm. No. I think because I'm, I think people have underestimated me. I, I don't think I'm going to, you know, win the Nobel Prize for, you know, <laughs> science or anything, but I do think I'm a pretty smart person. I think I'm, I'm, pretty smart. You are. Actually, that was one of the things that stood out to me in your book. I just, all of the words I learned. And I like <laughs> words. I just find words so interesting. I wish I knew more. I'm always like trying to learn a new yeah, word. Yeah, you I should, learned a like, lot of you new should words. underline them and always look them up. Yeah. You know, like I looked up the word voluble uh, the other day because I wasn't quite sure what it meant. It means sort of talkative, I think. Voluble. Yeah, oh. I hadn't heard that word. Cool. It's always fun to learn new words though, isn't it? Yeah. My dad used to make us bring it to the dinner table. That's oh, why. That's so cool. If you could be buried in a single designer, <laughs> who would it be? Oh, that's a really sick question because I want to be cremated. <laughs> oh, shoot. Um, I, you know, 
It's funny, Kat. I'm just not really super fashionable or into designer clothes. I mean, I think they're beautiful. I guess if I had to pick one, and I appreciate them. It's not that. It's yeah. just never been my thing. Yeah. And I, I, my girls and I were laughing about my sense of style. And uh, if I was chuggy. <laughs> Do you know that word chuggy? You got to no. talk to your kids about that. What's chuggy? It's C-H-E-U-G-Y. It's a new word the kids are using. It and it basically means. Do you know Marshall? Oh, my producer knows. What is Marshall, it? It just kind of means dated like five minutes ago. It's <laughs> it's not really basic, which oh. is also criticism. I think it's sort of like somebody who's wearing something that maybe was stylish. Like maybe skinny jeans now are considered uh, chuggy. There are other things that are chuggy. Um, huh? Correct. Yeah. What else correct. is chuggy, Marshall? I mean... Bleach blonde hair is chuggy. Yeah. Side parts may be chuggy right now. Eek! Um, it's just, well, you have a middle part, so I you're know, not chuggy. But I did a but, shoot um, last night with a side they, part. My daughters actually gave me a whole list of things that would be considered chuggy, and of course, I can't remember any of them. But, um, they, oh, oh, uh, T-shirts that have words on them are chuggy. Oh, yeah, I can see that. But why? I mean, I got my <laughs> T-shirt that... I got a T-shirt that said I'm not for everyone because I saw someone in Nantucket wearing that T-shirt. And I was like, where'd you get that T-shirt? She said online. I said, I love it. I just like the sentiment. It's like, that's fine. You, you just I'm have to wear that anyone. at home, Katie. Just I, don't I, wear it to your next interview. You're good. Yeah. Like like <laughs> like coffee mugs that say live, laugh, love. Yeah. You know, those are chuggy. Yeah. Am I chuggy. right, Marshall? Okay. Ding, ding, ding. You learned something today. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. Your first interview when you got to ABC News was with Sarah Jessica Parker. We already talked a little bit about the show. There's a lot of debate over this reboot of Sex in the City. Smash or trash? Somewhere in between. I really, I, I like it because I love the original show so much. And I think it's really hard. You know, people are nostalgic for what was. And it's really hard, I think, to recreate a show and to talk honestly about the issues. And I just... I, I give them a big thumbs up for for going there and for doing it. I, I think it's it's it doesn't quite have the the kismet the original had, but I appreciate seeing them together. I, I sometimes feel like they tried too hard to compensate for what was missing in terms of gender issues, race issues, uh, you know. Um, I think you're spot on. Gender like, identity. It's like too heavy handed. I was like, does every character have to be dealing with something about this? But I also think a lot of people are, you know, and so they were trying to reflect the, the this cultural moment. But I think there were some other things they could have done. You know, maybe they could have, you know, maybe Carrie could have gotten canceled you know, or right. something like that yeah. for something she said. It just feels very on the nose with some of the issues they're tackling. Right. Just so on the nose and so many noses in every single scene. That's yeah. the thing for me. It's like, I, I appreciate the intent. Obviously, we need that kind of conversation and we need to see ourselves and the diversity and the whole kaleidoscope of what's going on in the world. But it's just almost like too much all the time. Every scene, every character. Yeah just is a little heavy for me. But yeah. I, I still watch every single yeah, episode yeah. and I still love Sarah Jessica Parker and I love, I love, I love it. Um, I, I, I love her okay. too. You have to go. Last question, which is not a, a great last question, but I just have to ask because we talked about midlife and we talked, and you are such a curious person like myself and you have a lust for learning. Psilocybin. 
I'm really into this right now. It's the only reason I bring oh, it up. Oh, I don't know much about that. You don't. Okay. Well, I would. I was just curious if you knew anything about it, it. It. What psilocybin is? It's basically mushrooms. Mushrooms. It's basically yeah. mushrooms, and it's you know now. I just find this whole space interesting, and I'm sure you're going to end up— I have some people you can interview about that. Really? I do think it's very, very interesting. And and what is it, microdosing and yeah. all that stuff? It's kind of um, the new frontier of, like, it's going to be a big business. Yeah, and, with, a, me- and with, mental, with mental health yeah, and yeah, all yeah. that stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know much about it, so I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. I'm very kind of weird. I don't— I'm not into gummies or pot or even CBD. Maybe I should use CBD more for my aches and and creaky bones. But I'm just not, and I don't even really drink very much. I'm high in life, baby. Yeah, you are, baby. You were born on a sunny day. What else do you expect? It sure is a beautiful day, Kat. Oh, it has been the most of the most beautiful. I am so happy that you made it here. Me too. Could go on talking to you forever. Thank you for being you. Well, good luck with everything. And if Thank you, you if you ever need anything, I'm just a DM away, baby. Yeah, you are, girl. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And a reminder, you can catch a brand new episode of It Sure Is a Beautiful Day every Tuesday. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And of course, I'd love to hear from you. So leave me a rating and leave me a review. Also, follow us on social media for all the behind the scenes action and more info. That's at I am Kat Sadler on Instagram and at ABD with Kat. Talk to you next Tuesday.